from the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Yeah, then you'd be one of those people who is the funniest person in the office, and you do yeah. bringers, you know, oh. which is fine. I like to see people in, who are who are funny in the office and they do bringers because it's uh, it, you know it, it makes a really nice audience for the for the, the rest the, of the, us. Yes. The, good morning. <laughs> It's uh, very nice outside, and uh, we're going to enjoy another wonderful spring day here in New York City. April, uh, and what, what is it? March is in like a lion, out like a lamb or something. But, uh, man, it was one cold, wet, rainy lamb. Uh, and a special guest today uh, with me is uh, Sharon Simon. Hey, Sharon. Hi, Pat. Uh, comedian and former, uh, now you worked not for the city, but for a company that was contracted by the city yes. or something like that. Mental and health housing. Me- mental health housing. Tell me about that. So my organization would help people who would might have otherwise been homeless due to severe mental health conditions. And we would go into their apartments and help them with whatever they needed, whether it was just someone to talk to, someone to remind them to bathe. Or <laughs> <laughs> That's, I know you're not yeah. kidding. That's yeah. a, you, they actually mm-hmm. need to be reminded to bathe. Mm-hmm. I would be happy to do that. I feel like I could do that just anywhere on the street anytime. It's be like, like, hey, Jesus. Do you smell that? Come on. <laughs> you ever one of those guys in the summer, they take their shoes off, sticks off a whole car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so those are your people. Yeah. And, I, and, and so what? what's the difference between somebody who can make it uh, and somebody who can't in terms of, like, having their own place or something? I think that some for someone who's mentally ill, they have to really, really want to get better to get better. They have to want to get better without anything holding them back. And if they pursue that, Passionately, they do get better. Really, mm-hmm. that's what it takes. Yeah, and, and and I had no idea that the will to get better was so important. I mean, is it is it nor, it's it's not really like that with a regular physical illness. I don't think, or uh, or is it? Maybe yeah, it is. It is. Some think about somebody with diabetes who ha- is overweight, who's been eating sugar and cake all their lives, all of a sudden realizes that they are are going to lose their foot, so they start eating salad and running, and they get better. People like, yeah, when it comes down to losing a foot, they start to take it serious. But uh, now, I saw a stupid fucking sign the other day that it was a guy, and he was, and he was cutting hair, and then there's a guy behind him who's cutting mm-hmm. his hair, and it says it could be your barber or your barber's barber yeah, who has pre-diabetes, <laughs> one of the three of you. And then there's a guy sitting in the chair. I'm like, what the fuck is this a... Uh, why the obsession with the barbers? It's, I wouldn't mean like you know. Is that is, are barbers predisposed to <laughs> to the sugar? And why do you care about your barber's barber? Yeah, my barber's barbers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's not like my grand barber, right? <laughs> like we have some kind of family relationship. Now uh, you are uh, now not doing that anymore. No, I'm free. Yeah, can you had to quit? Why? I ultimately quit because they wanted me involved in a court case that I wanted no part in. Mm. A man that had threatened me in 2016, they wanted me to testify against him, reminding him that he hates me. Mm. And I wanted to get out for that reason. Yeah. He might just forget about it otherwise. I I think he's forgotten. He was calling me all the time for about six months, and then it stopped. Calling you on your cell phone? Yeah, my work phone. Oh, your work phone. He doesn't know... He doesn't know my phone or anything like that. Thank but, God. Yeah. I mean, but that would be really creepy. I'm, I'm sure it was creepy just to have him repeat it. What was he saying when he would call? Why won't you call me back? <laughs> Why won't you come over and help me clean? Uh, myself up. Yeah. And, yeah. He wanted you to come in, like, wash him and stuff. Right. He No, I, I didn't wash anybody. He, he had a... 
he had a special perspective that I never saw on anybody else. I once saw him and he had feces inside his pants. And so part of my job is to be like, you have to clean. Oh. And his, his response so, was, how dare you say something of God is dirty? Oh, boy. That seems pretty nuts. Yeah. Something of God. Yeah. Well, so, so this guy doesn't think anything's dirty. No. I mean, if, if he doesn't think a pile of shit in his pants, a load of feces <laughs> right. in his uh, underwear. Did he have underwear? Who I, knows? Th- I, I saw brown spots, like almost like the way sweatpants are singed on the bottom. I could see it on the bottom that it had traveled... Oh, and down sort of his pants, clung to the cuff. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And well, how dare you say that that's dirty? <laughs> and that yeah. is a shame. And and so like uh, I guess a lot of times um, they don't uh, have the same kind of bathroom opportunities that a lot of us have. Um, and if they do, they stay there a long time. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, Starbucks yeah. and stuff like that. They give themselves a whole bath, which I'm sure they're feeling. Like. Now the homeless problem here is just skyrocketed. Well, people come here because it's a really it's a really great place to be taken care of. It's a good place to be homeless. It's yeah. it's like a sanctuary city for the homeless. Yes, yes. And and when do you think that started picking up? That I don't know. I and I don't want to say something I'm not sure of. I do mm. know, I do know that people travel back and forth from here to Florida. Florida is another place where they're like, I'll be better in Florida. No, I'll be better in New York. No, I'll be better in Florida. Oh yeah, they take the geographical cure a whole bunch of times yeah. trying to figure yeah. out. What, and, and so in Florida, I would I think I would stay in Florida personally if I was homeless. I would think that, well, that would be a perfect place to be. Uh, California also great, but uh, you know they're you a little weird plans? out there. A little weird. Out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, who knows? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, uh, just like so many New Yorkers, I'm one paycheck away from homelessness. Yeah, I'm one missed paycheck away from losing everything that I have. But this is different. The people I worked with are not are not like. Just like, people who kind of got displaced by yeah, the economy. They no. are mentally ill. They're yes. not going to make it regardless. So mm-hmm. you, no, d- that seems like that would be frightening. It was sometimes. So I, I often would go into apartments and I would have doors blocked. Uh, I had to call the police probably about twice a month oh. to ask them for help. Just to get out. Well, no, no, I was never in a... Thankfully, I was never in a situation like that. I but left when you before say, when, that. Oh, when you say the door was blocked, you mean like they, they, were, would, they wouldn't let you in? They would block themselves. They would block me, and it would be hard to get out, but I... But you could make it out. I could make it with out. With persistence, yeah. okay, yeah. So they would just block you momentarily. Yeah. And you said that in order to have this job, you have to be somebody who's had mental illness yes. in the past, okay? Yes. And that's obviously something you're open about. So yes. what was your mental illness? Borderline personality disorder. Oh, okay, that's a serious thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's like a mood disorder, and uh, I mean, it, it, it's... If, if I'm correct, it stems from uh, like um, like rejection issues, uh, uh, abandonment issues, that's, and abuse. That abandonment issues is one of the like core things that people with borderline deal with. But it stems from having been invalidated from a very young age. So even even for somebody who's never been abused, if they're very very sensitive and the child keeps saying, "Mom, I'm cold. Mom, I'm cold," and the mother's like. No, it's warm in here. They start to distrust their own realities. Oh, okay. And that's and a distrust in your own reality. Right. Okay. For me, I dealt with a lot of a lot of confusing sexual abuse, but the for everybody because I I run a support group called Life on the Borderline for people with borderline personality disorder. You really do. Well, that's yeah. great yeah. because people need help yeah. when they have that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know that every woman that I've met who's had that, and and I don't know that I've ever known anybody who was diagnosed with it, but I I feel certain that I was able to diagnose mm-hmm. it uh, because there's certain things that are consistent that happened uh, between 
you know, several women, you know, that were like, oh, yeah. okay, this is a very familiar feeling, a very familiar kind of like uh, reaction that this person's having to me. Right. And, 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 and to certain things that it, like, I noticed that if I disbelieved something that they mm-hmm. said, that was a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, invalidating. That's invalidating. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, and it's often like that will become like a dishonesty um, mm-hmm. uh, pattern, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Uh, where like um, I didn't, it was almost as if they wanted me to believe something that they knew I didn't believe. Mm-hmm. And then it became some sort of a, it started to feel like like a power struggle or something or like a, like that. Right. And, and I guess that's where it's really kind of moved beyond, uh, you know, garden variety stuff and right. into something a little bit more, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, some kind of mental word or whatever, but mm-hmm. like pathological, uh, pathological. Yes, okay. yes, yes. That's the word. Yes. And so, uh, uh, how did you get out of that? How did you realize that? Were you uh, was, I, it, was it through a therapist? No, I was. I got. I was sick enough to be hospitalized and then put into a program called dialectical behavioral therapy, which really changed the way I use my brain. Oh, that sounds pretty involved. It was, and that's I. I wasn't in comedy as much as I would have liked to have been for a few years because I was busy doing that and rewiring my brain. And once I was done, I'm. I look at the world completely differently. Man, okay. So it's and curable. Does it feel better? Yeah, I'm happy. I'm a happy person. And and that was without any kind of medication. I took medication at one time, but I don't now. And there's no medication for borderline. That's what I thought. Yeah. And and, and so what, what is the dialectical? Uh, there's what you just a, said? there's four different aspects of it. One is mindfulness, learning how to be in the moment. One is regulating your emotions. So for people with borderline, we we go from like being calm to being super, super angry within seconds. Uh So learning how to sort of tolerate being very, very emotional. And then what I think is the most important aspect is learning how to interact with other people. So learning how to ask for what you want, learning how to hear and say no without thinking that you're being abandoned, Uh, things like that. Yeah, right, because if you say no, then, like, uh, they may be through with you, right? And there's that fear. Right. And that would be a very anxious situation for everybody involved. Yes. I I can understand uh, completely. Uh, I mean, I know what it's like on on the other side of it. It's very, very tough, and, and it's tough for people who have that disorder to be, uh, to have long-term relationships sometimes mm-hmm. because people get exhausted. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very exhausting people sometimes. And so to be cured of that, you must feel like you're walking on air. I think I still am like a bit exhausting, but I love my own company. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, that's great. If you can regulate your own emotions, yeah. then you're nine-tenths of the way there. Uh, speaking of uh, people who are unhinged, and I don't mean that in mm-hmm. any kind of negative way, we were talking about the homeless people before. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who was stalking uh, Kevin uh, Brett Hart, Brett the Hitman Hart, and mm-hmm. this guy stormed his Hall of Fame speech at Barclays Center in violent Brooklyn, right. and he'd been busted uh, before, apparently, for allegedly stalking an MMA fighter. Uh, now, uh, do you think this guy, it's, I know borderline, tends to be a female thing, just statistically, it, it it isn't. They just rarely they want to diagnose females with it more often. Like females are the girls who are crying. Why why did he leave me? And are sort of self abusing. Whereas males are more likely to be starting fights. Oh, I see. And people just go, oh, "That guy's a violent asshole and right, a criminal." Right. And so, like, uh, he doesn't get the uh, the benefit of like maybe he has a problem. Right. Right. But at the same time. Maybe this guy has it. Zachary Madsen, he has a pending case in his hometown of Lincoln. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, do, do people with borderline tend to stalk? That's a. I think that's a, a, a like a myth, yeah, because I've been running this support group for over six years and nobody stalked me. 
(laughs) (laughs) And they never discuss stalking anyone else. Yeah, none of that's never come up. Uh, Well, Zachary Madsen, he he certainly does. So uh, maybe he has something else. Maybe he has a just maybe he's just a big fan. He's a 26 year old (laughs) suspect listed as an amateur MMA fighter on the website uh, tapology.com. Also facing charges for violating an order of protection that uh, uh, Talunzik uh, had against him. Now, Talunzik apparently Mm -hmm. is the uh, MMA fighter, Harris Talunzik, that that he, uh, uh, you know, stalked in in uh, Nebraska last year. So uh, it's it's, it's pretty bad, you know. It it seems like an attention grab, you know. Maybe this Mm -hmm. guy's just trying to improve his career uh, by attacking WWE legend Brett the Hitman Hart. Who who attacks a wrestler like this? I mean, that's very possible. I don't have as many followers as this guy, you know. (laughs) <laughs> right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it's hard to get people behind you these days because mm-hmm. everybody's trying to. And, and being famous in this way, is, is, it always seems so desperate, but it always it, it seems to work a lot of times for these kind of people in some yeah. to some limited degree anyway. I mean, we're talking about this guy. He looks like uh, trouble, I guess. Uh, now, I'm looking at this uh, from the New York Post. It was page four on uh, it's in the April 8th edition of the newspaper uh, that was last night's paper. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, de Blasio, um, but we're talking about homeless people, mm-hmm. is um, the author, I think, of, all, of a lot of the homelessness. But I also think that it was um, Occupy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. When Occupy, I, well, uh, Occupy Wall Street ended, this is what, 2012 or right, so? Right, yeah. I think a lot of them just stayed. I think they were like, this kind of, it seems pretty cool here. I like it. I, you I, know, they came I, a few hundred miles away, and they're like, let's just hang out. I thought that Occupy Wall Street was mostly what we used to call Trustafarians, people who go to Burning Man on their parents' money. Yeah, there were some of those, yeah, quite a few. But then there was also, obviously, there's going to be people on the fringes, you yes. know, who are just like, what's this? Oh, okay. And then they come along, and they, uh, or, you know, people who just get busted, uh, you know, they run out of money while they're here, and, uh, and and mom and dad finally cut them off or something. But like, uh, and then some of them have money, I think, mm-hmm. and they just camp. Mm-hmm. There's these urban campers, these crunchy people, right, with a dog, <laughs> <laughs> and they want to start trouble. I, uh, I I don't like this now. But uh, De Blasio wants to uh, pat himself on the back. It says in the paper uh, for uh, in the New York Post, the newspaper of record, by the way. Uh, New York Post uh, for creating good jobs and he better be able to prove they exist. Bronx Councilman uh, Richie Torres, he's a Democrat, he plans to introduce a bill that would force the city to track and publicly disclose who's benefiting from taxpayer-funded job creation programs, unless de, unless de Blasio uh, sets the record straight. In it would his, cost uh, a lot of money to do just that. <laughs> yeah, it seems as if it would, right? It, it, everything's expensive, yeah. and they always want to do a study. Yeah, and and uh, tracking all this <laughs> shit. You know, he he launched some kind of a one point three five billion dollar. Uh, no, okay, now you're in the mental health field. Uh, you know, all this money disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eight hundred thousand dollars or five hundred thousand dollars. It depends on who you ask and how you add it up. But, mm-hmm. but you, regardless, or not not hundred thousand, hundred million. It was it was hundreds of millions of dollars that was that was for this uh, Thrive initiative. You know? Thrive, yeah, I know yeah, Thrive. Yeah. So what what happened with all that? Because I don't feel as if they've shown a lot of, of course, according to the city council in their analysis, they they have not shown a lot of results for the money spent. Organizations like the one I, I formerly work for, and not not that organization, but there are organizations like that that do pocket the money that's supposed to go to the people that are mentally ill. So somebody's very severely mentally ill, they get put on SSI. If they've worked in the past, they get put on SSD as well. And then they pay rent to a housing organization. Uh But sometimes 
they're very, very mentally ill. The housing organization gets all their money and then gives them an allowance. Oh, and mm-hmm. then they budget appropriately so right. they can have a lot left over. Right. Okay. Well, that would explain it. That's yeah. the most cogent, simple explanation for this <laughs> I've heard. They've hired disreputable people yep. who are not giving very much money to their uh, jobs. Exactly. Wow. Okay. And so there, there's something like 41 parts of Thrive or something like that. 41. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of those, something like 26, they have no accounting for, basically. Something like that. It's yeah. it's, it's truly... Just throwing money down the toilet. Now, I'll tell you, I made very little. I was doing it because I felt good about it for two and a half years and then just stayed for a while. Mm-hmm. But the people that I worked with were making six figures. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 uh, wrong. Yeah. Yeah, because really... They, all these administrators, that's where it all goes. Yeah. And they know how to they know how to jip them. Big beautiful offices, brand new computers, iPhones and iPads for everybody. And meanwhile people are shitting their pants. Yes. And they don't even know it's dirty. <laughs> and they can't get a new bed or Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah, exactly. And they're trying to just like the bare necessities, I'm sure. I, I don't know like what the solution is on homeless people. It isn't putting them in hotels. No. It's not just locking them up in, in insane asylums, I don't think. No. So um this sounds like this would have been a good opportunity. It was, it was actually Richard Nixon that figured out that it cost more to keep people in hospitals than to help support them in the community. Oh, wow. Well, you know, Richard Nixon actually did a lot of good things, yeah. from what I understand. Yeah. And uh, he, he kind of gets the, the shit into the stick as far as, like, uh, you know, the, the reputation of his legacy. But I think it's one thing he among did. people yeah. who know. They kind of go, hey, you know what? He, he did do some good yeah. stuff. Now, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking through... Uh, to find, oh, let's see, an eatery makes property suit. I love lawsuits here in New York City. Mm-hmm. They're, they're seldom, you know, I, I, I think that most people are just looking for money. It's a manager of a Tony Upper East Side restaurant called Scarpetta. You ever read there? No. Treated his kid's nanny like a slave, forcing her to call him boss man. This is the manager. <laughs> the manager says uh, that, that uh, a manager of a Tony Upper East Side restaurant, Scarpetta, treated his kid's nanny like a slave. So why would the manager? It's hard to leave a job sometimes, but you know, you hear that and you just think, why did she stay? Manager of the Tony Upper East Side Restaurant, Scarpetta. The manager treated his kid's nanny like a slave. <laughs> Forcing, okay, so this is not within the restaurant. This is just like right. somebody's a nanny. Right, right, right. This is the woman right here. She looks like a nurse or something. Yeah, and, blue shirt. Uh, yeah, blue shirt. Uh, very, very nurse-ish. Uh, God, sorry about this, this whistling today. Uh, a blue shirt sleeps uh, uh, forcing her to call him boss man sleep in a pool shed and even unclog the family's toilet well I mean like if you're a nanny you you end up taking on yeah and because I mean like uh, the kids get older Mm -hmm. they don't need the kind of care they needed you want to still give them hours but you can't like just say just hang out you have to like would you mind vacuuming would you mind doing some windows would you mind I guess unclogging a toilet Uh, I don't know if if necessarily this this doesn't quite sound like slavery to me. Uh, Cindy Carter lived in modern day indentured servitude, was treated like property by Scarpetta. Assistant uh, manager James Ragonese Ragonese Mm -hmm. and his wife Nicole, according to the Brooklyn Federal suit, it hurt so bad I cried. That's what Cindy Carter, 44, told the Post. I didn't know what to do. You can quit, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not truly an indentured servitude. They're not going to like shoot you if you try to run. Yeah. I would hope. It's sometimes I stayed at my job longer than I should have, so I know that that feeling. But it's as soon as she as soon as she was asked to call him boss man, that should have been your like, 
warning sign to get out. Yeah, boss man seems a little extreme, yeah. right? I mean, like, I, <laughs> but you wonder how that came about. I almost wonder sometimes when I hear something like that, I was like, was that a private joke of some sort? It was like, I mean, did he really force her to call him? Like, if she didn't call him boss man, he's like, I'm sorry. It that seems so unreasonable. But then again, you know, for reasonable people, I'm still a reasonable person. Mm-hmm. I'm still in the broad category of reasonable. I don't think it's easy for us to imagine somebody who's totally unreasonable and why would they do that? You know, because you don't get the motive of that. It's the only thing I could come up with is eroticism. <laughs> That's it. It, uh, it leads right to that, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, it, I, that does make sense. He's fetishized his uh, nanny a little bit. <laughs> Call me boss man. Yeah, like who's your daddy? That's what it sounds like to me. Right. Okay, yeah, maybe that is it. Now this, but this guy here, you know, I mean, like, who knows what kind of scum this guy is? I don't know. It's hard to yeah. say. We'll see what she's suing for, though. Between March 2016 and this past February, when she was fired, she was paid about three hundred dollars a week while toiling seventy-one to one hundred twenty hours. Now that's, that's rid- really low pay. That's yeah. kind of ridiculous, according to the complaint. Now, you know, maybe she padded that. What is toil? Sometimes toil is just sitting with your feet up, you know? Like, I got to keep an eye on the kids, but Mm -hmm. it's like, uh, because nannies, it's a different kind of work. There's so much nanny abuse lawsuits and criminal cases and shit. You even see those sometimes. Yeah. It's kind of like something they should phase out or that they need to normalize or something. They need to regulate. Unionize them? Unionize the nannies. (laughs) The nannies 101 or something. What what, was it? Have you ever been a part of a union? A screen Actors Guild. It's not a... Oh, Screen Actors yeah, Guild. Yeah, like... that's, they're rapacious. Uh, they want their... <laughs> I never have paid them. I, 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 I could... Well, I was in the other one, and then they After? merged. After? Yeah. And then they merged, and now I'm like, I don't know. I guess I'm, just, guess I'm never going to be... <laughs> you would have been grandfathered into SAG. When... I, would I? Yeah, you probably owe them some money, but... Oh, a lot of money. And I'm not going to pay them. Because, you know, like, people like, no, I don't know how much acting work you get, mm-hmm. but if you get less than, like, $30,000 a year worth of acting work, you don't get any fucking medical benefits. But you still, you pay only about $200 a month, a year then, in two installments, so it's not a lot. Yeah, but it adds up. It yeah. would be a couple of grand for me to, like, get back in. And uh, the way I see it is, if I ever get a, you know, if I ever get something, mm-hmm. I'll be like, all right, then I'll pay. Yeah, then some... And then I'll break even on some, you know, bit part in... Uh, I don't know, like that fucking... Empire? (laughs) Empire, yeah. What's the one with the... Ray Ray Donovan is the one I've read for a few times. Ray, You ever seen that show, Ray Donovan? He's from Mm -hmm. Boston. The the guy doesn't do any acting at all. He's just kind of... All he does, the last seasons I've seen, is just kind of walk around and, like, tell people that he can't do it. (laughs) I can't. I can't do it. Can't do it. He's from Boston. Anyway, uh, so as we follow this suit just a little bit deeper, why not? She first lived in the family's attic and then in the basement. She never has been on the main floor. Uh, while James uh, Raganese works the high-end eatery, oh, which fe- features such dishes as Wagaroo strip and truffled spinach. Oh, they mentioned that. It's, it's, it's like, like they're little, advertising the restaurant. It's like a little ad, isn't it, for, for uh, <laughs> Scarpetta. <laughs> Today's episode brought to you by... She was also <laughs> prohibited from cooking food uh, when defendants were home because, as uh, Nicole Ragoni stated, Caribbean food is disgusting. You know, I think that's you're within your rights yeah. to say don't cook your stinky fucking that's food. So, I don't care what ethnicity is, you know, I don't like it. It's their house. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. You're living in their house. Yeah, it's 
unfortunate uh, for her that she doesn't get. I mean, I wonder what kind of jerk chicken or something or whatever. I mean, like spices. She was allowed to cook it when they weren't home. It seems just when they were home. Prevented from cooking it when they were home. Yes, cook it when we're not there. Yeah, it seems that seems normal. That's slavery. (laughs) (laughs) The three hundred dollars a week that. Well, if she's working, indeed, 71 to 100. I didn't even know there were 120 hours in a week. (laughs) Uh, It says that she was required to perform duties completely unrelated to being a nanny, such as plunging a toilet. I feel like that's related. Plunge one toilet. Maybe she stopped up the toilet. It's possible. Maybe she flushed a diaper. (laughs) She spent her entire day taking care of defendant's child, cleaning cleaning the house, uh, (laughs) weeding the lawn and flower beds. It sounds to me like... She did a lot of work, didn't mm-hmm. get quite enough money, kept doing it, thinking it would get better, didn't. And now lawyers are starting to specialize in these type of cases, I think. Yeah. Because they're like, no, a lot of these nannies, they will sue. I wonder what she wants. I wonder how much money she wants. Usually, or maybe it's unspecified. Maybe it's enough to open a Caribbean restaurant. Yeah. And you can cook it as much as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Said the Carter's lawsuit is in retaliation for the couple having arrested Having her arrested for uh, <laughs> allegedly for keying their car, okay. she's now facing misconduct charges for the incident. Misconduct—that's pretty weak. <coughs> so apparently, yeah, they uh, they went to the Hamptons to have fun in the summer. She was taken along, only to be stashed in an unventilated storage room where pool chemicals were kept. You went to the fucking Hamptons. Yeah. Uh, You'd she think said, in the Hamptons she could find another nanny job. <laughs> Said she could leave the door open, and the Ragonese lawyer. She said that uh, yeah, their law, the Carter's lawsuit is in retaliation. Okay, so so the lawyer for you know the slave mm-hmm. owners here, uh, the the restaurant manager says oh, he, she's just trying to get back at us for, you know, for for this car keying thing right. that we reported her for. Yeah, so they're completely exaggerated and unfounded. Okay, well. Hard to say. We don't really know. It doesn't sound yeah. like too strong of a case to me. It's in terms of slavery. Um, What's the outcome? What is the outcome? I don't know. It's in court. Okay. So it's a, yeah, she's, a, by the way, Carter is currently in a homeless shelter. She's suing for alleged mm-hmm. violations of state and federal wage provisions, noncompliance with uh, notice record keeping requirements, among other things. And that, that might all very well be true because a lot of this stuff is handshake and formal stuff. So she might have PTSD and might end up in supportive housing. <laughs> it sounds like somebody <laughs> that you might have yeah. had to deal with. Uh, did you ever hear a Nipsey hustle before he was dead? No. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. They get dead, that's when you hear of them. There was a hit and run. That mm-hmm. Teen is shocked at this driver's callousness. A uh, 14-year-old violent Brooklyn girl who was struck by a hit and run driver in an incident caught on video oh. says she's stunned that the woman left her in the street. When she went away, I was like, oh, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> you need to stay and check <laughs> on me. That's uh, Zin, uh, Jin, Jin Yi Wang, she told the Post on Sunday. She just ran away. Wang of Sunset Park said she was walking home from school, and uh, next thing you know, Dodge Challenger. Oh, that's a beautiful car. It is. Oh, my God, a Challenger is a beautiful car. Yeah, the Dodge Challenger, the new ones they have. It's like it's like a muscle car. It's like an yeah. old-fashioned muscle car. Really nice. Plowed into her. If you're going to get hit by any car, <laughs> I mean, I could, you, you would be hard-pressed to do better than, just in terms of style. And, and and just like overall look and everything that, that a Dodge Challenger. So it's like a '69 Mustang kind of thing. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It, I, I I could pull one up. They they they've still got a little engine in them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're 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 building them like they should have uh, the whole time. You know, it's a car that kind of disappeared for a while. You've seen smart cars and shit like yeah. that. Everybody's trying to go smaller. And would you ever drive one of those? I would drive anything that I can get my hands on to drive. It wouldn't be my choice. Right. 
I wouldn't drive. I would feel unsafe and something like that. As I saw the car Wait. coming, I thought, can I get out of the way? Then the car hit me. So I guess the answer is no. All I saw was the ground. I remember being in a lot of pain. Mm. I says to myself, I says, oh, really? I got hit even though it was my turn to cross. Is this happening in real life? This sounds like a really snotty sort of a fucking like victim how, to how me. Like, how dare I'm you a, hit me and leave me here? Yeah, oh, my God. Not, you need to check on me. My, that's, <laughs> that's wrong. I mean, hit and run is not right. But goddamn, Dodge Challenger? I'm on the driver's side. Is of that, that one. there's a picture of a little girl looking at her cell phone and she looks fine. Is that her now? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't even think that she she said that she didn't even know she'd been knocked into the air by a driver until she watched video of the accident. So I mean she mm. she turned out very good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, quick break. What's up? We need to go. So yeah, we're good. You're good. I'm just gonna um, turn off these. Do the la- you got about two, three more minutes worth of shit to do? No, we'll walk out with you. I'm done. I, well, I was, um... We'll walk out with you. Okay. Cool. Okay, we're going to close it up here. Okay. okay. Uh, quickly now, I love that headline, Raped by Friend. <laughs> 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 that puts you on, like, a spinning uh, th- cycle there. It's just, that I just... see Joey and Rachel, like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> no one told you. Sex was going to be this way. <laughs> by force. And, uh, and without consent, an Upper West Side woman was raped by an acquaintance behind a building in Manhattan early Sunday. Now, the woman, 22, told police she was uh, with the man, 24, at a bar near Orchard and Stanton Streets. Now, that is not on the Upper West Side. That is down in the, in is, the yeah. East Village, Lower East Side, and left the watering hole with him around 3 a.m. Uh, the man, who she knew, took her to the rear of 189 Allen Street, New York City Housing Authority's Rafael Hernandez Community <laughs> I, Center. Oh, I see. I like, can't get past who wrote this, doesn't know the layout of Manhattan. Well, I mean, I, I think that Allen Street, 189 Allen Street, that's, that's back on the Upper West Side, right? Or is Allen still down on the... I, I, I don't know Allen Street. The, the streets have names down, downtown. Yeah, they have, sometimes they have names uptown, but like mm-hmm. it'll be for like... Uh, well, like for instance, you know, you know, Broadway Comedy Club is on Fifty Third between Eighth and Ninth, right. and that's Jerry Orbach Way. But they wouldn't write Jerry Orbach Way. No, you're there. right. That's like an honorary kind of thing. No, yeah. you got a good point. Well, we'd have to find out where the uh, where New York City <laughs> Housing Authority's Rafael Hernandez Community Center is, where she willingly performed oral sex. Police sources said the mm-hmm. woman then asked the man if he had a condom, and when he didn't, she refused to have intercourse. But he became more aggressive and raped her before mm-hmm. she was able to get away. Now, no, this is not on the Upper West Side at all. She's an Upper West Side uh, woman. But she was raped in Manhattan. Okay, so she lives up there. Okay. But she's just down there. That's where they go to party. Right. And uh, she's 22. She be- He became more aggressive, raped her before she was able to get away. So she willingly performed the oral sex. I guess there won't be a charge she for that. She should have finished. <laughs> Simple solution to <laughs> this whole thing. Now, that's a woman with a head on her shoulders. Right there. Sharon Simon. She ran to Delancey and Eldridge Streets. Someone called 911. Police said the victim was taken to an area hospital for treatment. She must have, might have had some fissures and whatnot. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame yeah. that the guy... Like, too, too, too much off the buffet, huh? If you, you know, Greedy. if you just had a condom. Yeah, got a condom. Yeah. I mean, but so few people use them now. It's a lot to ask. I mean, she didn't want to get pregnant. 
Yeah. I got some friend he turned out to be. Yeah. I'll say that. And some friend she turned out to be, too. <laughs> you guys are not good friends to each other. Uh, Sharon, pleasure having you on today. It's a pleasure being on. I and, had a good uh, time. Uh, April 29th, um, I'll be at your show at where? Westside Comedy Club <sighs> on West 75th Street. Enter through Playa Betty's. Please call for reservations. Yes, do that. Uh, I can't wait to be on that show. And it's called Simon Says. Simon Says Laugh. April 29th. <laughs> Westside Comedy Club. I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. Thanks one more time, Sharon Simon. Thank and you. thank you for listening to New York City Crime Report. <laughs> <laughs>